This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Looking at it now that we've kind of seen it, do we like the structure? I have questions about the structure myself, but do you like the structure of how this whole thing has played out since they've made these changes? I still prefer the you make a GM, the czar of the football side of the team, and he hires the coach. And if you don't, and he makes all those decisions, and if the uh, administration doesn't like the way things are going, you make a change of general manager and let the next general manager do the same thing. Um, you know, that way you have a football person in charge and you have a real s- straight line for authority. Um, it's worked out fine. You know, the way they've done it, there were, you know, I wondered if um, the issues with, you know, with Rogers going back a couple of years ago, if that, you know, that could create, areas where you could have both the coach and the GM blaming the other one when they're talking to Murphy because things went wrong or, you know, if the team had gone downhill. Um, but that hasn't happened. They've done well, so you can't, you know, you can't argue with it. Um, from what I understand from everybody that I've talked to over there, Murphy views his role more as a facilitator of communication and it's Gutekunst is making the personnel calls and, and uh, LaFleur is making the coaching decisions. Um, so I, I think Gutekunst has a lot of the powers that previous GMs have had, but the final call still is Murphy's. Uh, but it sounds to me like he's he views his role more as a communication facilitator than anything else. All right, let's talk about the roles, as, as you just put it. I personally, myself, have issue – Uh, If it is true as they say it is, and I don't think I believe that it's as true black and white as they say it is where, hey, Matt, if you want to bring Joe Barry back for 10, 12 years, have at it, man. Nobody's going to say no. You're in charge of your staff. Like, I find that absurd to me that the general manager of the football team essentially has no say over what his head coach's coaching staff looks like, especially the coordinators. Like, if you want to have say over your running backs, coach, wide receivers, coach, whatever, that's on you. But, but like the coordinators and you're struggling defensively and so forth, but he's my boy, so I'm not going to make a change. I find it hard to believe that Brian Gunnikun's general manager can't decide one way or the other that something needs to change to his head coach. 
Yeah, you know, there's a couple ways that could go. I mean, contractually, Lafleur has say over the over the coaching staff, and going back to to Ron Wolf, which is when I started covering, the coach had final say over the coaching staff. Now the GM clearly can has his opinions and can try to persuade. Push comes to shove, they can fire if, if, if let's say Gutekunst and Murphy just were adamant that he made the change. And Lafleur said, "No, I'm not doing it." Well, Murphy could fire Lafleur, and you know, so it would come down to you know Lafleur making that stand. What would he really go to the mat for that? So some of this is probably kind of semantics too. Yep. Um, I don't. In this instance, I doubt that Lafleur needed somebody to, to tell him that he needed to make the change. Um, but I don't know that to be the case. And so yeah, there. Even though it's contractually written that LaFleur has final say, you know, the, the president can still can fire him for any reason. And, and if he wants to make a change at, at a coordinator and LaFleur won't do it, then he could fire him for that reason. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, now let's expand this because when Ted Thompson was the general manager. He didn't care what Dom Capers thought of what he drafted defensively. Oh, you play a 3-4? Here's Nick Perry who plays with his hand in there. Figure out how you want to use him. I mean, that's kind of how it was. And Gary, Leroy, myself always would talk about it. He would draft whoever, and then the defensive coordinator coaching staff had to try and figure out how to make that guy work within the scheme. Pittsburgh, Baltimore, they draft guys that fit their scheme specifically. That's what they draft for. I listened to Brent Gutekunst yesterday pretty much saying, I'm going to draft who I want to draft, and they can figure it out. I hate that. Like, I hate it with a passion. I thought we were done with these stubborn days of, oh, I'm going to dress the best football player. My coach can figure it out. Like, I don't want to call him an idiot, but it's damn close. If you're bringing a defensive coordinator in and he wants to run a certain scheme, then you should be drafting to help him get the success that he needs to get out of that scheme. Not saying, I'm going to give you a bunch of different guys, put the puzzle together yourself. It's not on me. Like, I, I hate that philosophy with a passion, P. Doherty. So this is where I would it would really be great to sit in on draft meetings and to be in the draft room to know exactly how these things go down. Because um, there's, you know, of course there's communication between the coaching staff and the scouting staff on what qualities they're looking for in any given position. But it's the scouting staff and it's the GM who makes the final call on these draft picks. So we don't know how much, when you get down to it, how much the coaching staff's desires go into the personnel decisions. Because on the one hand, you don't want your coaching staff picking your draft picks because after your scouting staff spent all year scouting these guys and they know them inside out and have the coaches come in you know, and study them for a month and say, I like this guy best. Uh, on the other hand, the, the staff should have some say in the, the traits they're looking for. Um, and when you talk to at different times, I've heard different things about how those things work. Uh, the general sense I get is that the coaching staff 
doesn't have it has some influence, but not a lot on who they pick. Um, so, but I think it's it just depends who you talk to. I would really I would love to to sit in on some of those meetings and see who they pick and see what they you know what the coaching staff had said about them to know these things uh, for sure. But yes, the the thing that what you're pointing to is an area that could be a real problem because you you got you do need to pick guys who uh, fit the defense you're going to play or you got to have a coordinator who just wants good players and he'll make use of them, you know, regardless of their traits, he'll adjust to them. But I don't know how, you know, how many coaches are good at really good at doing that. Exactly. Right. That's exactly my point. There aren't a bunch of dudes that are going to sit there and be able to switch schemes and change things up based on what they have for personnel. A lot of these dudes know one way they know it works. It's been their scheme forever. You plug and play the guys that they want uh, and away they go. Now you have a defensive coordinator who is a college head coach coming from Boston College. To me, this lends more to the aspect of, dude, let him have a say, man. He's been in college football for the last three, four years. He's seen tape. He's played against some of these guys. He has an idea of who he likes, who he doesn't like. I'm not saying the man's got to be involved in making the draft pick on day three. But what I am saying is, at least for rounds one and two, maybe, maybe three, and give him an idea of like, hey, these three or four guys are in our area. Here's some film on them to kind of go over here in the next couple of weeks. Tell us kind of in order, like, who would you like uh, of the guys that we're kind of have circled that might be here in this area? Now, obviously, if on draft day somebody falls and you didn't have a chance to talk to your coach or whatever, then you got to make that decision. But I don't think it's that hard to say leading up to draft three weeks out, four weeks out when your draft board is relatively set of – these are guys that we're kind of looking at. Coach, tell us what you think, you and your guys, and kind of put them in order for us. Is it that out of the realm of possibility to ask guys to do that? No, and I I would hope at a bare minimum that's what they're doing. I mean, it doesn't mean they would have they have to do what he, you know, like if they rank the players differently, they could, you know, if they still really want, they can pick the guy they want. But they, I, I would hope that they would get his input on that. I would hope, you know, back when they drafted. Uh, you know, Matthews and B.J. Raji that, um, you know, they had, they consulted Capers to some degree on that. Um, you know, and like, like I said, that's where it would be great to sit in in the meetings and to know, to find out just how much, because they all pay lip service to it. You know, yes, Gutekunst, yeah. he'll say, yeah, you know, we of course we listen to them. If you talk to the coaches, you know, in, the, in their uh, press conferences, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, they ask for our opinions. We give our opinions. We scout these guys. Um, but it's unless you're in the room, you don't know how much influence they actually have. Why do you think Jim Leonard wasn't involved in the process this time? After being involved in the process the last time, going all the way down to the end, he doesn't take the job, whatever happens. Joe Barry gets the job. He thinks he's the guy at Wisconsin. Guy at Wisconsin gets fired. He doesn't uh, you know, like the situation, so he leaves for Illinois to be a consultant. As far as I know, he's still in Madison, so he's still close. He hasn't gone anywhere, still doesn't have a new gig. Why wouldn't you go back there if you liked him the last time? So the the one the possi- the one possibility this could cut either way. It could be, you know, a lot of times when these teams and you know, when a head coach goes to a guy and says, you know, hey, we, you know, we want you as our coordinator, and the guy says no, you know, after you interview him. He's like, well, you know, if he doesn't want to, if he, if we weren't good enough for him, then we don't want him now. If he doesn't want to be here, we don't want him. And they take could take it personally. They could, you know, for whatever reason, just say, no, we're done with this guy. 
Uh, the other way would be, hey, I totally understand why he didn't take it. I get it. His circumstances changed. We liked him then. Um, so why not like him now? So I don't know if, you know, if, if we don't know if LaFleur – I have not heard I, – I know some people who who know uh, who know Leonard, and as far as they know, Leonard did not interview for this job this time around and was not contacted. It was, certainly wasn't reported anywhere. Um, so, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll uh, – because I think he, he spent last season – as a special assistant to the with Illinois, right? Yeah, correct. Consulting or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. So he was just down there for like, you know, five days in the week and then he'd, you know, for the weekend he'd come back to, to Madison, from what I understand. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll hire him to be their D B coach. 